salutations out there, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Hope everybody is still doing well and hanging in there, whatever you may be doing during this quarantine. Again, we are here, we're recording at the home studio, which is a closet, but hey, I'm getting it out here because I love you guys and hopefully you love me back. Give us those five-star reviews wherever you listen to this fine podcast, and that includes, of course, Apple Play, Apple Play, Google Play, Apple, and of course, you also have Spotify and anywhere you get your fine podcast. We'd love to have it. I, again, your humble host, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. It's been another crazy week when it comes to ideas. We've got some things now, and we're going to focus on this to start off this episode of the podcast where you look at their ideas now because depending on what reports you listen to when it comes to COVID-19, the coronavirus, you see the possibility that in some places the uh, there's a down there's a downward trend. We're not getting as many uh, new cases of coronavirus per day. Now, yesterday, as of this recording, we had the most deaths in one day here in the United States, but we're not getting, at least right now, it's seeming not as many new cases. So we'll see where this all goes. What I'm basing this on is because over the weekend, President Trump went out and had a call with all of the major league sports commissioners and was talking about what trying to do to get sports to come back in some sort of capacity. The call included commissioners and top executives from the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, Major League Soccer, the WNBA, the WWE, who of course had WrestleMania, which we will talk about on this show, the PGA and LPGA Tours, UFC, NASCAR, IndyCar, Breeders' Cup, or Breeders' Cup rather, so we'll see kind of where all of this goes. I And again, we all want sports to come back. Trust me. We, I can keep talking about all these different things that are happening in the world and provide you with some awesomeness as we talk about these things, but it'd be great to just have actual games back happening. I mean, you've got a report ESPN is working with the NBA to get some sort of horse competition on because they're just looking for content. That's why they moved the Michael Jordan documentary up from the summer into April 19th because of this, because they don't have live sports to talk about. And again, Trump has said, talked about his briefing at the White House. I want fans back in the arena. Whenever we're ready, as soon as we can, we want fans to come back too. We want to see all of this. And again, he's wanting the NFL season to start on time. So that's one of the big things that they're talking about. However, you see this, though, with not only what the president is saying, but you also see it with other sports leagues. You have some other ideas of what's going on where you have the Major League Baseball. There's a plan now to allow the season to start as early as in May. But then it's also going to happen just in Arizona and in empty arenas. What they're saying is it could dictate that all 30 teams play at stadiums with no fans in and around the Phoenix area, uh, including Chase Field, where the Diamondbacks play. 
There are 10 spring training facilities and perhaps other nearby fields where you can have it. Players, coaching staffs, and other essential personnel would be sequestered at local hotels, and they'd live in relative isolation and just play the game. So there's ideas of getting sports back. But again, we've got to see where this all ends up because you also have other people like you have the Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Schwarbeck, who's been doing this for a very long time. And again, he's kept Notre Dame in he's kept Notre Dame relevant where they're still technically in college football anyway and independent. They're not associated with any conference. So it's interesting how this goes because he's talked about, yes, playing games, but he doesn't want these games to take place in an empty stadium. He says, I don't see a model where we play at least to any extended number of games in facilities where we don't have fans. And I I agree with all of this, as Jack Swarbrick was saying, college football is about the cheerleaders and the band and the campus environment on game day, and it's at home field advantage as well. I mean, imagine Neyland Stadium with Tennessee, Alabama, and Tennessee is trying to drive for a last-second touchdown to beat Alabama for the first time since 2006, and there's no fans to help push them over. That home field advantage can be huge when it comes to that. And what you're also looking at is you look at what states are going to agree with this. When you look at the NFL or college football, because, yes, we've all the other major sports in this country have had some sort of suspension when it comes to play. Major League Baseball has not even had their opening day yet. The NBA and the NHL have both suspended their seasons, including the and Major League Soccer has as well. So football hasn't been really affected. Now they're going to do a full virtual draft, but that doesn't affect games right now. So we're going to see where all of this goes because what are you going to do depending on the states, in individual states where you have this? Notre Dame in Indiana, they might be on full still lockdown where they want social distancing, but in you know, one of the games that they play, if they're playing in Virginia against Virginia Tech, but Virginia doesn't have a lockdown in place, you, you can't just have teams going places where there's a lockdown and then there's not a lockdown. That's not going to balance out when it comes to these things. And there are very attractive versions where schools in 30 states want to start the season, but the other 20 won't. So you look at this, it's got to be, everybody's got to be all in or nobody should be able to play. It can't be sporadic like that. It's got to be all for one and one for all when it comes to getting the games back. Major League Baseball, I can understand that. It's a professional league. But you have these different states with colleges and the kids aren't even getting paid. And you have this idea. And I don't think, again, it could be safe for the fans. You get 80,000 people in a stadium. Because when you look at this disease and you look at everything, they've been talking about social distancing. The reason is to reduce the impact and keep people away from each other so the contagion doesn't keep flying around when you when you look at all these things. so, But again, yes, it looks like at least from some of the reports that you're seeing right now, that the number of affected people have gone down. You even look in Spain and Italy, and it's gone down drastically, but they're still not coming out of quarantine. To me, it's like when you've got like the uh, an ear infection and you've got to take antibiotics. You are always told by your doctor, 
take all the antibiotics, take it throughout. You've got 10 days worth of antibiotics. And yes, maybe by day seven, you're feeling perfectly fine. It's done. They still want you to take it all. So it completely kills the bacterial infection inside of you. And that's the same thing. You don't want it to dip down to where everybody feels like, oh, I can go outside because less people are getting it, but then everybody's back in social contact with each other, and then it comes right back. And again, we'll have to see where this goes because studies have shown, or at least in some of these places where things kind of lessen the impact, lessens in the summer as the warm temperatures affect the virus in a certain way, but then in the fall, it can come right back. You look at what happened with the the flu influenza uh, pandemic back in 1918, it went away in the summer, but then it came back even worse in the fall because it also mutated a little bit. So these are just some historical things when you look at what people are trying to do. So yes, I would love to have all of our sports back in some sort of capacity. But you're going to, again, have to be one, all for one, one for all when it comes to that. And yes, I, I think having the NFL back would be a big indicator that things, especially if it starts on time, that we've done things. But you've got to do it the right way because if it comes right back and people get sick, you also have to realize, too, if people are going to these games in September, there's an election, a presidential election coming up in November and if a bunch of people are getting sick again, that could have a real impact on how that goes. Just look at what happened this past Tuesday in Wisconsin when it came to their primary and everything going on there. So I, I want to watch games, but if you have them not on with empty arenas, especially college football, it's just going to be so depressing. It was already a weird-looking event seeing the... When you look at what happened with WrestleMania, which I'll talk about the card here and all the results from WrestleMania at the end of this episode, but it was just odd. It just didn't fit, and I'll talk more about that here in a moment. So that's what I feel is kind of going on, and then you look at everything. If it comes back in the fall, it could be pretty crazy because even now you've got the PGA Tour has kind of rescheduled all of their majors well, at least that they're going to have. The uh, British Open or the Open at Royal St. George's has been canceled. So now you look at the other three majors that we have, they kind of moved it because they want to still have as much of a season as you can. You want to get those viewers. You want to get that advertising dollars. You want all of this. It helps everybody when it comes to this. So, But you have now the PGA Championship has moved to August. The U.S. Open is hopefully going to be in September. The Ryder Cup will remain in its original date in September, but the Masters is going to be November 12th through the 15th, which is going to be real interesting, uh, especially if you look what's going on in the state of Georgia at that time. The third round of the Masters will also happen at the same time that Tennessee is traveling down to Athens, Georgia, to play at Georgia. So that's going to be really interesting. It, it, I, I don't know. Sometimes, though... You can put, we've seen what happens. That's why golf changed their schedule to begin with and moved the PGA championship into the summer because it was interfering so much with football and some of those late season things going on with the, with the PGA, their ratings were getting destroyed because of everything going on with college and the NFL. So you look at everything happening with all of this. I would almost think you don't have to be resigned to having these golf tournaments 
on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could have it be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like that. The Masters doesn't have to be there. You're Again, this is something unprecedented in our modern history. So you look at all of this and see, hey, let's just make some changes. Everybody's been going along with everything so far. Let's just keep it up. So we'll see where it all ends up. Bottom line, I want sports back. I would love to have all of my games back to talk about and break down. Would love to see baseball and I'd love to see football start on time. I want the Little League kids to go out there and start playing Little League baseball. I mean, it, it's wonderful. I loved playing Little League baseball during the summer and late spring as a kid once school let out. But again, things are going on. We need to listen to the medical professionals and everybody who know what they're talking about and getting it. Because if it's not safe, I don't want to be dealing with it. So... We'll see where it all ends up, of course, once more of these things kind of break and we get more of a dedicated idea of what's happening. We'll talk about that here on Modern Day Gladiators. A couple of other things that are interesting when we talk about the coronavirus is the UFC. Uh, Dana White is becoming Shang Tsung of the Mortal Kombat series before our eyes at this point. (laughs) He has been, Dana White has been so committed to getting... UFC 249 off the ground on April 18th. He's been trying to do it so hard because the the last UFC they had, they did it in an empty arena, but they even couldn't shut it down because, again, you got people with blood and sweat, and I know everybody's been tested, but it's still just not the best way to do it. And that's another thing I wanted to mention. If you want people to be able to get out of their houses and go to these stadiums, you've got to test everybody because even asymptomatic people can spread the virus. So, You might not feel sick. You might not know you have it, but you have it into your system. You can still spread it to people. And if I'm sitting next to an older couple in Neyland Stadium and they get the virus because of me, I'm going to feel really bad about that. So that's another thing when you talk about it. You want to be able to do that? You got to test everybody. South Korea was able to do it, and they're even talking about starting their baseball season in South Korea. So we'll kind of have to see. But back to what I was talking about with uh, Dana White, he has secured a U.S. location to host these fights. Rumors are it's an Indian reservation in the state of California because, again, they have a different athletic commission when it comes to a lot of these things. Though, guess what? The coronavirus doesn't uh, respect borders. It goes wherever it wants. So just because you're having it somewhere like there doesn't mean the coronavirus can't get in. So he has gone one step further, though, After the next couple of weeks of fights, and they're wanting to have weekly fights uh, for the next two months at this location with UFC fight nights and everything. And then, of course, on April 18th, having uh, UFC 249, which is going to be Tony Ferguson and uh, Justin Gaethje. Uh, We'll see. It's going to be a 12-fight card. We'll see what happens. Of course, it was supposed to be um, undefeated lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedovic. Uh, defending against Ferguson, but uh, Habib has been removed from the event because he's not going to be able to re-enter the U.S. right now, just with travel visas and everything, again, with COVID-19 being out there. So now you've got an interim fight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. So we'll see where this all ends up. But to put the cherry on top of all of this, not only are they going to have these fights on an Indian reservation, but Dana White is getting and trying to acquire a private island 
to <laughs> have fights on where you don't have to worry about fighters. They can come in because it's not under U.S. jurisdiction and they can come in and have these fights. It's going to be so weird to do that. Again, and that's what happened. You had Shang Tsung, uh, his island that he had where he was hosting the Mortal Kombat tournaments. You know, the Yin Yang Island where they were having this. So it's just, it's the plot of the Mortal Kombat games and movies when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So eventually we're going to start getting some Outworld guys. I mean, you know, you're going to have Scorpion and Sub- Sub-Zero and maybe, you know, Shere Khan is going to be there, uh, it, all these things. It's it's going to be just the weirdest thing when it comes to Emperor Khan being involved in the Outworld tournament and Goro and all the other characters from the Mortal Kombat universe. It's going to be uh, uh, really weird. And, I mean, I just wish they would back off with this a little bit. I know they want to entertain people and have these fights, but it's just frustrating to me where it's like, if you just wait some time, people are going to come back. I still remain 100% positive with all of this, that once everybody is able to get outside in full capacity and go back to restaurants and bars and clubs and movie theaters and wherever, everybody that's been able to survive, people are going to come back in droves because they want the economy to get back. They want to go outside and do all these activities. And I think it's going to happen. I think we just, again, have to have that patience. Meanwhile, here in Tennessee, I think it's been funny that uh, Coach Philip Fulmer and his wife have been out. There's a, you know, Tennessee stay away. They've been talking about, again, practicing social distancing. I think it's funny that, and it's great that Coach Fulmer and his wife are out there doing these PSAs. I, I love it. But it it's just funny to me, people mostly in Tennessee here, they might not have listened to doctors or other medical professionals telling you, hey, stay away, don't go out, practice social distancing. But the fact that Fulmer's out there telling you to do it, oh, I'm going to listen to that. Uh, Chase Dyer, uh, the host of the Haffle uh, podcast here on the Outlander Media Network, he brought up a great thing on their show. And you should listen to their show as well. Haffle's still churning out episodes. If you just mentioned, especially down here in SEC country, practice social distancing so football could start on time maybe people will listen to that a little bit more so (laughs) i just find it funny and i agree with him because so many many people are only thinking about themselves but if they realize hey if football season is going to get delayed if i don't do this i need to work on practicing safe social distancing so there you have it that's just maybe my little bit about all of that i don't know um I'm doing it because I know it's right for everybody else, but maybe other people will listen to that. I don't know. you got to think of these ways to get uh, people to listen. So there you have it. Moving away from the coronavirus here and talking about some other uh, interesting things, you talk about college football. Uh, Mike Leach uh, has ruffled some feathers down there in Mississippi. He's even lost uh, one of his players, Mississippi State defensive lineman Fabian Lovett, uh, criticized uh, Mike Leach's tweet that showed a meme of a woman knitting a noose for her husband during self-quarantine. Again, Mike Leach not seeing being in the South the noose, especially to black people, is not a good sign when it comes to lynchings and everything that happened, especially down here in the South. That was just not the best thing. Of course, Leach now deleted the tweet. He talks about he's going to learn some and understand the cultural aspects of Mississippi 
a lot more and he's apologized for the tweet. But again, just a bad tone and a bad idea when it comes to all of that. So hopefully that does because I think Mike Leach can do some great things here in the SEC. We've just, again, you got to watch what you're saying with a lot of those things. So we'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, a couple of news coming out of some Hall of Fames, um, some melancholy Hall of Fame news here. Uh, You're going to have quite possibly the most star-studded Hall of Fame class they've ever had for the Naismith National Basketball Hall of Fame. And your top three finalists are uh, all first ballot Hall of Famers. Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett. They were all selected for enshrinement that is still planned to happen in Springfield, Massachusetts on August 29th. Uh, They're going to be joined by, and this is where we've got the Rocky Top uh, link here, 10-time WNBA All-Star Tamika Catchings of the Indiana Fever. Also in there is going to be Coach Kim Mulkey of Baylor, five-time Division II Coach of the Year Barbara Stevens of Bentley University, four-time NCAA Coach of the Year Eddie Sutton, former Houston Rockets Coach Rudy Tomjanovich was a two-time title winner. So you're going to see that former a uh, longtime international basketball executive, Patrick uh, Bowman, is going to be selected as well. So we'll see where all of this goes. And again, you, you look at just the lead four people. You talk about Kobe Bryant, who's done so much for basketball, and of course, the tragic death of he and his daughter and everybody else on that helicopter was just absolutely tragic. Uh, Tim Duncan. Just one of the best all time and done it so quietly and professionally. I've loved Tim Duncan forever, just the way he's carried himself and everything, which I think was wonderful. Kevin Garnett jumping right out of high school and being such a big factor, uh, of course, with the Minnesota Timberwolves and then moving and winning that championship with the Boston Celtics. Another great big man there. But of course, we love Tamika Catchings here on Rocky Top. She was, of course, a force in so many of those national championships in the late 90s that the uh, Lady Vols won under Coach Summit. You had, I mean, you had the Meek. She had Shamika Holtzclaw, Tamika Catchings, and Samika Randall. And, of course, Kelly Harper uh, was Kelly Jolly back then. All of them just leading that core group. It was just amazing to watch all of them. So happy. And just, again, she's... Only the second uh, Lady Vol that's in the National Basketball Hall of Fame. We, of course, have an abundance of them in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. But uh, Pat Summit's the only other one who's there. So that's what's great about that. I mean, you have it's just great to see. And, of course, I'm pretty sure uh, Candace Parker will get in there. Uh, We'll just have to kind of wait and see how her career ends up. But... Catchings ranked first in WNBA history in steals and is third in points and rebounds. And again, winning that national title at Tennessee in 1998. And of course, she talked about everything about Pat Summit. Uh, I think honestly, it's just what Coach Pat Summit has meant. Catching said on being the first player in the storied history of the Lady Vols. I mean, you just look at all the other ladies who have donned that orange and white and light blue, and she's the first player to get in. To be able to follow her lead and follow her footsteps, one of the main reasons I wanted to go to the University of Tennessee was to play for the best coach and play alongside some amazing players. I'm just really thankful and grateful I got the chance to go to the University of Tennessee and be the first Hall of Famer. So, of course, a true vol for life, Tamika Catchings. Congratulations. Can't wait to see her speech 
at the Hall of Fame ceremony. It's going to be wonderful. As they always say on PTI, they've got their melancholy happy trails. This is another big one here uh, that happened over the past week. Mr. Tiger, uh, Hall of Fame outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, Al Kaline, he passed away at 85. Klein was a all-star in 15 seasons, a 10-time gold glove winner in right field, retired shortly after recording his 3,000th hit in 1974, and then joined the Tigers broadcasting team and continued to work for the Tigers after his retirement from the booth in 2002. First Detroit Tiger to have his number six retired. So again, something amazing to see. One of the all-time great players in the history of Major League Baseball. He played his entire 22 years in Detroit, again, earning the nickname Mr. Tiger. So he will be missed, one of the greats, and again, another uh, Hall of Famer heading up to the big baseball diamond in the sky. Uh, Rest in peace, Mr. Tiger. So now moving on to WrestleMania. But before we do, of course, we got to thank everybody at Outlander Media. Check us all out, outlandermedia.net. I mentioned Halfle, but you got to check out Deadbeat Radio, DLC Respawn, Scared Stupid, Geeks Inherit to the Earth, all the other big shows we've got on the network. Check them out wherever you get your fine podcasts, as I mentioned before, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. Listen to us, download us, subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews. Wherever you listen, if you give us those five-star reviews, it's going to help us wherever. And, of course, we got to thank Joe Shirt and Otherworldly Coffee. Joe Shirt has been sponsoring us for a long time. We appreciate all the love that we've gotten from them. They've been doing business here in Knoxville for over 30 years. You want to expand your brand, put your stuff on a T-shirt, they can help you out. You go to JoeShirt.com. They also have Joe Shirt, uh, Joe Deluxe, where you put your stuff on a mug, you put it on a banner, they can help you with that as well. So again, joeshirt.com and tell them that Outlander sent you. They'll be happy to help. And of course, Otherworldly Coffee, it's liquid cocaine. It's wonderful. It'll get you going. It's some great coffee. The guys there have been a big help to us here sending coffee samples and keeps everybody energized, especially going through the pandemic that we are right now. Again, if you go to otherworldlycoffee.com, check out all the great coffee and other merch that they have. If you use code OUTLANDER at checkout, and that's in all caps, you're going to get 20% off your order. So check them out there. So thanks again to Joe Shirt and Otherworldly Coffee for the continued support here of the Outlander Media family. Moving on to WrestleMania 36. My goodness, what a weird and interesting show that was when it comes to... It's just odd. Uh, Having no audience there was just strange. Yeah, some of the matches worked with it just because again you they knew how to talk so you could kind of have that basis out there I mean you look at I mean the Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins match which was great anyway but they both were able to talk during the match and yell and make a lot of noise and yes of course there was a lot of grunting and things too but it was still really good, even without a crowd. Yes, would everything that was on this card have been far better with an audience? Yes, absolutely. But they were able to make do with what they do, and I credit everybody for trying and doing a great job with what they were given. But my goodness, some of this was just kind of tough to watch with just out of crowd. You have, and Then you have moments like Otis beating Dolph Ziggler, and getting the girl, getting Mandy Rose at the end of it, 
and, you know, carrying her out and giving a kiss. I mean, that would have been a hundred times better in front of a live audience. Or you even have, like, I mean, you look at some of these other things. The Rhea Ripley-Charlotte Flair match, which I didn't agree with Charlotte Flair tapping out Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship because I think you could have just put Ripley into the stratosphere of being a very dominant and a big face of NXT, but now you've got Charlotte Flair with that win. That would have been so much better with a live audience. Or even you've got two new champions, Braun Strowman taking the place of Roman Reigns because, again, Roman Reigns recovering from leukemia his immune system's not great. You really don't want him in place anywhere where he might be able to get COVID-19. So Braun Strowman steps in, squashes Goldberg. And then you have Drew McIntyre getting the win with the WWE Championship, beating Brock Lesnar. Those two matches, pretty much the same match. It was just spamming finishing move after finishing move, which was obnoxious. But then you have, again, Strowman and McIntyre both winning their first heavyweight championships, but they don't get to have that crowd reaction and feeding off of it. Yeah, it's a great honor, and I do at least enjoy the fact that you have now champions who are going to be there week in and week out with that title belt, but man, you just have them miss their moments, and that's, I think, one of the things that's really disheartening. You had Becky Lynch beating Shayna Baszler with a flash pin, which was interesting. I was kind of wanting Becky Lynch maybe to move on to do some other things. We'll see who's going to come up now and challenge Becky Lynch. We'll see. Maybe Baszler will have a a submission match or something there. We'll kind of see where they go with that. But you talk about some of the other cool moments, and the two biggest moments you have were the cinematic matches that the WWE had. Uh, You had on night one, Saturday night, it ended, and this was the main event. You had The Undertaker and AJ Styles in that Boneyard match, which was almost just a buried alive match where it took place on this scenic, scenic, it was a cemetery, and it was acted out cinematic style. So it looked like it was just the, it was like a cheesy 80s action movie fight scene when it came to everything, but it worked. You, again, you do this with people where it works, and it was phenomenal. You look at like the final deletion skits that Matt Hardy did with his brother Jeff and other people, and those were great. But now you look at what they were able to do with the budget and everything. That was a great one. I loved the Boneyard match. I didn't know what to think of it going in, but it was great. The Undertaker, more of his biker-taker look instead of the dead man look and again AJ Styles and everybody else involved I thought did a phenomenal job so that was really really interesting but then you also had the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena and Bray Wyatt which I liked trust me they went through this whole series of things where it talked about like through Cena's career and Bray Wyatt's career and all these different stuff which I thought was amazing but there really wasn't a match in that one. I would have liked that one much better, say on the SmackDown leading up to a match between the two. And it also what was kind of confusing was say you've got someone, say like my wife, Mrs. Shibbles, who doesn't watch wrestling and for nearly as long as I have, she's looking at all of the stuff that happened in the Firefly Funhouse match and having no idea what the heck is going on. So 
I still loved both of the cinematic styles of it, but I liked the Boneyard match better because it was more of an actual wrestling match. All in all, if I had to grade everything with the WrestleMania experience, I give it about a B minus. Hey, they tried hard, but again, you do it in front of a crowd. You postpone this until around SummerSlam to have WrestleMania. If things have backed off and people are able to be in crowds like that again, I think this would have been such more of a better show overall. We'll see where this all goes. We'll see where it all ends up at this point. Um, but hey, wrestling is still happening. Uh, the WWE apparently is almost defying the state of Florida, and they're just still taping things at the Performance Center, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but we'll see where that goes. AEW, meanwhile, is starting their TNT uh, Championship Tournament this Wednesday, so tonight as of this recording, but they had recorded about two months of stuff in advance before the lockdown in Georgia happened, so we'll see where all of this goes. We'll and again, this is all developing as always, but this brings this week's show to a close. Again, check me out, Michael underscore Shibley on Twitter or Modern Day Gladiators. Just search Modern Day Gladiators on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us on all of those as we post links and different stories and things there as well. So check us out there. But until next week, wash your hands. Too sweet. Love you. See you next time.